Uh, there was a radio personality that had me on his show all the time, and then he began to just bash me all the time, and but he's gone. Whoa, 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 not so fast, Padre. <laughs> Welcome to Bakersfield Observed with Richard Bean, a podcast for and about Bakersfield and Kern County. Richard's guests are newsmakers, influencers, and personalities who address topics of interest to you and your neighbors and your community. The discussion is fast, informative, and always civil. Now, here's your host, Richard Bean. Welcome to episode one of the new Bakersfield Observed podcast, recorded right here at American General Media offices right off Highway 99 here in Bakersfield. The idea behind this podcast is simple. We're going to provide a forum for the Bakersfield community to discuss the issues that confront us all. We're going to talk to local influencers and political leaders to hold all of ourselves accountable We're going to challenge the status quo. We're not going to be silenced into cowardice. We're going to speak the truth, and we will do so in a civil manner. This podcast will air weekly, and it will complement the work of the Bakersfield Observed blog, which has served Kern County for the past 12 years. You can access this podcast via kernradio.com or wherever you get your podcast online. And finally, it's worth noting that none of this would be possible without our sponsors. And I'd like to thank Centric Health of Bakersfield and Dr. Bridge Bombi and Infinity of Bakersfield for becoming our first sponsors of the Bakersfield Observed podcast. Centric Health and Bakersfield Heart Hospital working together to bring unparalleled medical care to Bakersfield and Kern County and Infinity of Bakersfield, luxury vehicles at affordable prices. So let's get to it here. My first guest should come as no surprise if you've listened to any of the Richard Bean Show over the past few years. She is no stranger to Kern County over the years of... Over the years of writing a respected column in the Bakersfield, California, Lois Henry has evolved into perhaps the most well-respected journalist in Kern County. After, su- after a successful career in newspapers, Miss Henry is now concentrating on her passion, the politics of water in California. She is the president and CEO of SanJoaquinWater.org. That is SJVWater.org. It's a nonprofit where she walks us through the Byzantine laws governing water in Kern County. This week, Lois teamed up with the New York Times to focus on an important story right here in the Central Valley. Some parts of our valley are literally sinking because we are pumping so much water out of the ground. Lois Henry, welcome to the Bakersfield Observed inaugural podcast. How are you? I'm very excited. Where's the marching band? (laughs) <laughs> Where's the cake? Where's yeah. the cupcakes? Well, we'll have to wait for Mr. Flores to get there. Let's talk about this story, Lois. Okay. First, congratulations. There's not a lot of stories about Kern County in the New York Times, much less written by local people. Tr- local people. How did um, it come about? Well, uh, thank you. And uh, it's actually not Kern County. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, Kings Central County. Valley. There you go. Yeah, Central Valley, Kings County. Um so the story came, how did its story come about? Um, 
this actually goes back to uh, June 2020. I got a call from a friend of mine who um, was saying, hey, you know, well, actually went back even further because I did a story on um, the groundwater sustainability plan. You know, the state passed in 2014 a new groundwater law to try and, you know, get a handle on things like specifically like sinking land in the Central Valley because mm -hmm. after the last drought, land was sinking alarmingly. And it was because of agricultural groundwater pumping. And so they passed uh, what's known as SIGMA, the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. And that required these plans to be written up for each um, groundwater subbasin. And in January of 2020, I had written a story on the plan in Kings County, which actually calls for 6 to 11 inches, I'm sorry, 6 to 11 feet more sinking under Corcoran. Little town. 6 to 11 feet. Yes. <laughs> 6 to 11 feet? Yes. Okay. So Corcoran is a little town along Highway 43. It's uh, about 90 minutes north of Bakersfield, maybe a little less. Um, you know, just out in the middle of a very farm, you know, very, very agricultural town and stuff. And I mean, I don't know whether you care about, you know, Corcoran sinking or not, but it struck me, when, and, and this is what I wrote in January 2020, is that I can't imagine the state is going to approve this plan. Hmm. Because one of the objectives of this new law is to stop sinking. Hmm. So I had already been kind of alerted to the fact that there was something not right with the, the Kings County area um, groundwater plans. And then a friend of mine alerted me to the fact that in, um, in May, late May and June of 2020, that one of the farming operations up there was pumping so much groundwater, and and this was like you know May ir heavy irrigation season doesn't really start until a little bit later. They were pumping so much groundwater that they were moving it in ditches back to what is known as a flood cell because you know all that area up there in Kings County it used to be the old Tulare Lake bed, and mm -hmm. so okay. one of the main problems there is that you have four different rivers that ran into and you know from ancient times until you know, about the 1860s, ran into the old Tulare Lake, which was huge. And so it still happens occasionally when we have really big years. And so they, they created these flood cells um, back on the back of, um, of the lake bed. where and, and this large farming operation was moving all this groundwater and holding it in these cells for um, irrigation later in the summer. And so it was other farmers that actually alerted me to this. And I went up and I checked it out and I was like, yeah, okay, you know, well, so, but, you know, I don't know that much about farming. You know, why, why is that happening? And they were saying it's because this farming operation is selling off all its surface water. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's intriguing. So I start looking into it and it's just, is a lot of work. California does not make it easy to track water sales, water movement, um, even though all of this stuff is moving through publicly owned systems. The State Water Project has the California Aqueduct on the western side of the valley, and then the federal um, side, we have the Friant-Kern Canal. All of this stuff is public. This is owned by the public. And even most of the canals that, that take stuff sort of, you know, in a big giant web through internally and in, through the counties and stuff, they're owned by public water districts. Agricultural water districts are almost all public. Mm. So, you know, and this, and, and also, by the way, you know, a lot of this has to do with river water and river water because California is, 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 has the public trust doctrine. So all of the waters of the state are held in trust by the state. So there's an, there's an ultimate sort of public ownership of all this stuff, right? But tracking the water was really difficult. So um, that was June 2020, and I kind of worked on it for a little while, but, you know, I, I run my own website, and I got to get content out there. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm, a, I'm the only one doing it, so 
I kind of let it sort of set a little bit. And then I got contacted by the Institute for Nonprofit News to be part of a, a larger project to work on um, with other nonprofit news organizations. Uh, Water in the West is what it was called. And you, you pick your own topic and then everybody publishes each other's work. So it sort of tries to amplify mm-hmm. the ability for everybody, little fry like us, to get the word out, right? So I broached the topic of this story with them. And they thought it was a great idea, and they paired me with the Center for Collaborative Investigative Journalism in Michigan, who got me an editor and a photo editor and a photographer and all this kind of stuff. So I had some backup. So in December, I started working on it quite earnestly, and then um, the more I found out about you know Corcoran sinking, and it, it, it's not just this one farming operation that's selling off some of its surface water, which is the Boswell, the J.G. Boswell, the big, one yeah, of the yeah. big kahunas mm-hmm. in California farming is the J.G. Boswell company. In fact, they're one of the big kahunas in farming internationally. Well, they recently sold off their Australian um, properties, but mm-hmm. they were a $2 billion international farming company, arguably one of the uh, one of the biggest around. Anyway, so, right, I know. <laughs> so, um this is making it louder. You're good. Be quiet, phone. Mm. Anyway, so um, we started following this, and uh, I ended up um, writing a draft of the story in March, and then uh, the Institute for Nonprofit News asked if it would be okay if they contacted the New York Times about this story, and you know who's going to say no to that, right? That's how they got in. Right, okay. so right. that's how the New York Times got in, because um, the Institute for Nonprofit News did this kind of, you know, uh, group project deal last year with a project on education. And then after it had published, the New York Times said, you know, hey, you know, we we support nonprofit news organizations. And, you know, if you'd given us enough notice, we might have been able to run one or two of these stories. So, you know, just keep us in mind for next year. So that's what happened. And then the New York Times, Mm -hmm. you know, took over. That's a great subject, actually, for another time. No, really, because what you're doing is is the new journalism and how it's funded and how it's published and and the partnerships are, that are evolving today and and the funding of it. That's probably a great subject for another time. I I'm I'm curious. This story of the sinking around in Kings County around Corcoran is not a new story. It's been it's no. been around. Right. You know. Now I'm curious if if you're in Atlanta or Miami or, or or DC or New York and you you hear a story like this there are parts of California that are literally sinking by not inches but by feet and in a rapid way you would think this would be a huge story that hadn't but why hasn't it gotten the coverage that that uh, that it seems to deserve I think it's because it affects a really small population. You know, you look in the valley, and, and you and I have been here long enough that we think it's getting a little crowded, maybe. You know, but mm-hmm. but you look at you know L.A., San Francisco, New York, Atlanta, Miami. I mean, those places are you know if if that if those places started to sink, you know that it's, it's a, large, a big story. That, right. that's a, those are large populations, and that would be a big issue. And the other thing is, interestingly enough. The size of the sinking around Corcoran, and it's called, by the way, scientists call it the Corcoran Bowl. Mm-hmm. It can be 60 feet, or I'm sorry, 60 miles. It can be 60 miles in diameter. This is a large area that's sinking. And to the naked eye, you're not going to see it. And, mm-hmm. and you haven't seen the damage, the 
crumbling bridges. You, yeah, you notice you, you noted in your story you're not seeing buildings right. sink and, and collapse and or foundations whatever, crack. Know. Is that or because it's just not heavily crack. populated or no, built? No, it's because it's such a vast area. Okay. So it's a vast area and it's all sinking because it's not I mean, I don't want to put the onus entirely on Boswell. I think Boswell has some questions to answer about and the state especially has questions to answer about selling surface water and then continuing to farm using groundwater. So that's that's a Boswell issue. But and and he's and that company is pumping a lot of groundwater and has the capacity a larger capacity than any other single farm entity but there are so many farmers in that area pumping all throughout there that it's sinking on a large scale so you're not seeing like a football field size area where one side is sinking and the other isn't, which would cause water mains to break and roads mm -hmm. to crack and foundations to crumble. You're seeing an area that's like, I don't know, what, 40, 50, 100 football fields wide sinking sort of at the same rate. Well, what, what constitutes the, uh, the Corcoran Bowl that, that would, would lend itself to this kind of sinking? And why isn't this happening is it not happening in other parts of California because it's not the water isn't being drawn out as quickly as the Boswell Company is doing it, or is it just a matter of geography? It, it's a matter of hydro geo, hydrogeology. God, I can't say it. Um, one of the scientists I interviewed, um, Tom Farr, from he's with JPL. JPL, by the way, like Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Yeah, Jet propulsion laboratory from NASA down in Pasadena. Mm -hmm. They were using satellite technology back in the 2009, 2008 era. And they're the ones that saw the the breadth and the depth oh, of this by okay. satellite. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, because uh, I was back at the Californian then and we started seeing these stories come out and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, and, and, and you're right to pick out like, why is this happening in Corcoran? And, and Tom Farr told me it's the luck of the draw geologically speaking because yes in kern county people are are, are extracting water at just as high a rate okay. as elsewhere and you know in in mendota and all these areas but you're seeing this problem in corcoran because of the underlying soils which are very silty clay layers because again mm -hmm. it was the old lake bed and you had these rivers rushing in and they were bringing all of this silt material and over the millennia it built up in these layers and when you pull water out of these clay layers, they collapse in on themselves. Mm. Unlike, you know, like sandy, gravel, or even, you know, sort of more rock area. Like we have the Monterey Shale that we're all, all right. you know, so, sitting on so, over here. So it, it is because it, it is sitting on an old lake bed that makes it unique and more susceptible to this? More susceptible to collapse, and it does not rebound with recharge. Does That's, not rebound. Does not rebound. So that is the real... And in, in one of the scientists that I interviewed... That seems to me really significant. Yeah. If you can't yes. put the... If you can't fill up the tank, you're on your last tank. Right. Right? And that's what Kathleen Jones, also with JPL, I interviewed her. A lot of these people, by the way, didn't make it into the final cut with the New York Times because they did cut the story significantly. Not that I'm... Oh, we'll get to that. Not that I'm bitter. <laughs> anyway, um, so... <laughs> So anyway, one of the Kathleen Jones noted that yes, people may not be seeing water mains breaking and, and roads cracking, but the damage to the aquifer should be considered mm -hmm. an in, a, an yeah. infrastructure damage that cannot be repaired, because once that like she documented this one sort of in 2013 to 2016, she was uh, using some of the equipment and found this one little spot west of Corcoran 
where it had sunk 30 inches, this little spot, right? So so they kind of followed that. And they, they could actually trace it down to the individual well owner and apparently alerted the state. And this was close enough to the aqueduct that, that it was potentially you know, having damage to the aqueduct. So the state notified the well owner, hey, stop that. And so they, they stopped it. And then we had another big water year in 2017. So Kathleen Jones and her team went back to look at it. And the area had sunk 30 inches. And after those big water years of 2017 and another good year of 19, it had only rebounded by five inches. Wow. So okay. her take is, you know, the, the loss of water from the aquifer is potentially permanent and it's huge. And in that little area that she documented, she calculated it was about 2,800 Olympic-sized swimming pools of water that was gone and would not be able to be put back into that area. Wow. We're talking to Lois Henry of sjbwater.org about her story, collaborated with the New York Times on parts of the Central Valley of California, specifically around Corcoran in, in Kings County, where there's something, uh, a geographic phenomenon called the Corcoran Bowl is sinking because of the over-pumping of, of water. Lois, you and I live in California. It is a regulatory nanny state. If somebody is from another state looking at this, they're going, why hasn't the state intervened? Why are they letting these aquifers, if, if what you say is true, that there's no going back, you can't fill them back up, where's the state in all this? That is a really good question. And again, I think that some of some of that got cut out of the final version of the story. <laughs> um Yes. So the, uh, just to bring you up to speed, California is, I think, one of the last states or the last state to regulate groundwater um, because it's considered a property right. It's a private property right. Even is it though, not a property right in other states? Um, it, it is, but they have been able to do, like Arizona did a bunch of regulation because they had the same problem. They were like, look, it may be your private property right, but, you know, also, we can't have the, the land sinking and we can't have the aquifer not having any water in it because one guy wants to pump out so much water and, you know, make a bazillion dollars mm -hmm. off pistachios. Not that I'm pointing any fingers. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, so, so California was one of the last states to regulate groundwater. It's considered a private property, right? And, um, you know, let's face it, the agricultural industry is, what, a $2 billion industry in California. It's not, it's not peanuts. You know, it's not something to sneeze at. And... The state has been regulating surface supplies out of the Sacramento-San Joaquin Delta to the point that even in 2017, which is a record water year in, in California, people did not get their full contracted amounts. So there is sort of this yin and this yang, right? You know, the state is really withholding a lot of surface water out of the Delta for ecological reasons. And then coming and saying, you know, you can't pump as much groundwater. And you have to remember that a lot of these systems in California were specifically built. The CVP, um, sorry, the Central Valley Project on the east side, which is a federal project, and the state project on the west side were specifically built to bring water in to the Central Valley to stop subsidence back in the 20s and the 30s That was and one of the, the original goals? Yes. Oh, I didn't yes. know that. Okay. Yeah, it was one of the original goals. I mean, yeah, they wanted to get water down, uh, especially the state, they wanted to get water down to L.A. because L.A. was growing and becoming a you know powerhouse and economically you know thriving and stuff like that. But, yes, they recognized mm. that subsidence was a huge problem. People were you know, pumping too much water, even in those years, right? And so they brought all this water in through the state water project, and, you know, arguably, farming 
increased. <laughs> so it wasn't like the farming that was in existence in the 60s went, okay, great, now we're going to be sustainable. We're just mm-hmm. going to farm to the level that this water that we've received will allow it and you know, work in drought and all that kind of stuff. No, I mean, and I kind of understand that. I mean, if, if, you have, if you have ground and you owe money to pay for that ground, that ground has to pay for itself. You know, mm-hmm. And you do that by farming it with lucrative crops. And now the most lucrative crops that you can farm are pistachios and almonds which take more, more water. water. Right, right. Who are more there? More water year-round. I'm not looking for good guys or bad guys. I, I'm just curious. Though. You, you, you get these huge, you, you have huge family and corporate farms, right? Yeah. Who always take a long view, right? You would think. Yes and no. Okay, all know. right. I can't say that for sure. I don't, well, I'm maybe, not in maybe those I'm families. Wrong. Maybe, maybe, I'm maybe, I, maybe, maybe I'm just assuming they are because you, they pass down these, these, these farms to, to, uh, for, for generations. But you would think that at some point, I mean, nobody knows this better than the farmers, right? You know, that. When, when they d- have to drill a well deeper and deeper. Right, and yeah. there's a cost to them. Is there any... Do you get any sense in reporting the story? There's some any any sense of kind of self-regulatory process among the farmers going. We have to slow down, or we need to do X. To well, uh, yes and no. I mean, the people who alerted me to this story were farmers mm-hmm. who were really frustrated with what they think is you know excessive groundwater pumping by Boswell, and and in one of the quotes that made it into the story. Um, Doug Verboon, who was a Kings County supervisor and also a farmer, by the way, said, look, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to fault Boswell for selling their surface water. You know, that that is selling, trading, exchanging surface water is how farmers and and water managers manage a very small supply. Right. It's it's just that people don't like it because sometimes that involves making a a large profit. But it is what it is. You know, Mm. I mean, they have this property and they're going to moving it around sometimes is the best way to manage it. So mm-hmm. Verboon does not um, fault that Boswell for that. But then if Boswell is going to continue to farm using groundwater, and now we have this knowledge about groundwater and the limitations and the damage from pumping too much, that was what he had a problem with. He said, look, you don't have a right to farm with groundwater if you're going to sell your surface water. So there are some farmers who are looking at this and saying, no, 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 we can't continue. It's not just... Right. You know, years ago we might have said, I'm okay, say, don't it's your use business. don't use the groundwater. Use right. the surface water because you want to protect your reserves. Right. right. Or if you sell off your surface water, which you know, okay, fine, make multi millions right. of dollars, which Boswell has done. You know, that's good on you. But then you can't farm. You right. you can't be pumping your ground. You're double dipping essentially. Okay. Is is the view of some farmers? Now other farmers are like, look, it's my property right. Um, I pay, and there is some valid um, criticism here. They pay that contract fee to the state regardless of whether they get the water. And the state has just been ratcheting back and ratcheting back and ratcheting back. So it's like, well, hey, state, you can't take with one hand and then take with the other, Mm -hmm. you know, especially if you're still taking our money. You know, yeah. So there is some legitimate, I think, criticism there. But to your original question of the, the nanny state of California, I I gotta say that, that uh, you know they, they they lose their nanny card on this one because <laughs> because when I was when I was like trying to talk to the state about like okay I'm trying to look at um, you know Boswell's water trades exchanges sales etc there there is just no simple way to do it but they the state purported to give me a, a spreadsheet showing you know from 2009 forward I'm just sort of picked a couple of years to see what was going on. Um, 
all of the transfers, et cetera. But then I was going online and finding documents separately that they had they 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 weren't even including in their spreadsheet, or they had it wrong, or mm. you know. Uh, and I would say, well, I don't understand this. Oh, I guess that's a typo. Oh, yeah, I guess we didn't include that. Blah blah. So it's like this really haphazard way of tracking what I would consider to be a pretty important resource, you know. And um, I I I never really got to the bottom of why. <clears throat> excuse me, why the state was so sort of lackadaisical about that. But I did interview Carla Nemeth, the head of DWR, uh, Department of Water Resources, <clears throat> which um, which is overseeing all of this. They oversee the state water project, they oversee the California aqueduct, and they oversee all of these. They have to give their approval to all of these water transfers. And I was explaining to her what was happening, and... And her response was, which got cut from the New York Times, <laughs> she says, um, you know, yes, I've been, you know, sort of watching, you know, what you've been reporting on. And I think what you have come across and what you are explaining is a hot spot where the math does not work. And we will have to look at that. Uh, okay. um, and she said, yes, we are reevaluating our transfer program. So... Clearly, they are recognizing that, right. you know, things have been a bit slipshod um, and that they cannot, they can't, it can't just be business as usual where they say, oh, well, if you have filed all the proper uh, paperwork, Richard Bean Water District, you know, we're just going to say, okay, we're going to stamp and, and, you know, give you the okay and you can go ahead and move this water and do what you want. They're actually acknowledging that, hey, Richard Bean Water District might be selling this water, but then, you know, doing something else mm -hmm. that we need to... Right. monitor for the overall health of water. Right. And I and I have to say, I think at some point that the state has got to kind of drop this groundwater, surface water um, bifurcation because all surface water is groundwater ultimately. Right. If it's a lot, and, and you know, I mean, so it's kind of like this weird legal uh, description. It's the state of where it is. Yeah. Right. Uh, Lois, can, can you give us a tutorial on, this is so fascinating to me and for a lot of people who both live here and, and, and maybe listening from elsewhere, but uh, how California recognizes water rights, because I believe you told me one time, when it's in the Sierra and it is melting, it is considered the public's water. But once it gets into a free flowing river or stream or in an aquifer, it is defined as whoever owns that property, they own it, right? So if, if I have a river, I'm downriver from somebody, he owns it upriver, I own it downriver? Can you oh, explain it? How does that work? Here's, here's California water rights in, two, in three words, four words. It's a mess. <laughs> it is a mess. Four words. Four words. Yes, California water rights are even, even the experts – at uh, Department of Water Resources or the Water Boards, this guy named Eric Ekdahl, who is their Division of Rights guy, super smart guy, he even is like, it's so complicated. Each river system is different. Um, yeah, groundwater. Who owns it? What's a beneficial use of groundwater? <laughs> I mean, it's like such the a nightmare. The beneficial use. Yeah, because there's this definition of beneficial use and... And the the water boards don't want to don't want to say a recharging of aquifers is a beneficial use of water. It creates this whole tangle of rights issues. But yeah, the, um, so say you came here in 1890, and you know you put your X on a tree next to a river, you've got a right to however much you know 
you can argue with your neighbors that you mm. have a right to from that river. But then we started appropriating water, meaning that, you know, you took it out of the river and you put it in a canal and you moved it down, um, you know, up or down away from the river to for a town or for uh, uh, farming. That's an appropriative right. And, and if you did that in the early days, that's what's known as pre-1914 rights because and those are these sacrosanct rights that are based on not really sure exactly in terms of the flow and the amount of water or you know when the rivers are high or when the rivers are low that kind of all calcified amongst the people who owned those rights and they could fight fight over them amongst themselves and then the state after 1914 created the state water boards and all of the all of the remaining water came under the state water board to uh, give permits to. So, and they can, you know, they giveth and they can taketh away depending on if they feel like you're using it enough or not using it enough or, you know, taking it out of its place of use. There's all kinds of different um, layers of regulation that can be put on a piece of water. Like sometimes you can use it here. Sometimes you can move it and use it there. Mm. Sometimes it's got to be tied to the watershed some of the river. Sometimes it's it doesn't. It's just... It is such a mess. It's like each right mm. is sort of unique into itself, which well, makes it a nightmare to try and regulate. Right. Lois, is, is this a, a matter of that timing caught up with the regulatory process in that it wasn't a big deal 50 years ago, but as the state grows and you get millions of more people here and more demand, and as you pointed out, agriculture has expanded, not has shrunk. You know, we're using more crop and water intensive crops we are growing in areas that normally weren't uh suitable for growing is that what's going on here oh yeah oh yeah Mm -hmm. the the yeah that 50 years ago nobody i mean water people fought over water 50 years ago Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um yeah and especially with the advent of environmental like environmental regulations you know which i think have kind of uh, it's sort of a little bit of a red herring to to, ha, 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 to pit farmers against fish there's all kinds of other issues especially in the uh, sacramento san joaquin delta where it's a water quality issue you know you have a lot more people who have built houses and towns around there and they can't be taking water that's too salty or you know and so that means it requires more fresh flow from the rivers Mm -hmm. and the fresh flow comes out of somebody's back pocket you know down here and um yeah you know it's just uh, water rights in california are becoming more and more complicated and then add on to the sig the sigma the sustainable groundwater management act from 2014 now everyone is looking at what's called flood flows on every river creek stream you know trickle (laughs) that comes out of the sierras uh, because they want to capture that flood flow and mm. move it to their land and put it in the ground for groundwater that they can then pump up and use later, which is why I say like you know surface water groundwater. Well, yeah, yeah it's kind right. of all the same, you know, unless it's like some sort of ancient pocket right. that hasn't been touched, you know, in millennia that mm. you somehow discover it's all surface water. Yeah, yeah. Where does this go? I mean, if you're listening to this and you're a California resident, saying, "Look, the water comes on when I turn on the faucet." My bills are going up. Why should I care? Where does all this go? Well, um, I think for the average residential user, unless you're in you know, Corcoran or something where your aquifer is being depleted <laughs> and not coming back, it, it isn't, you know, it isn't going to be right in your face or anything. But, you know, the ultimate um, health of this state, we've got to get a handle on, A, how much water do we have on a regular basis? Um, have we 
ignored climate changes over centuries, you know, mm -hmm. not, not just what climate change is doing in the future, but over centuries, like, did we populate the state during a relatively flush period? So we mm -hmm. think that there's more water than there really is yeah. because um, Native Americans will tell you about, you know, the histories of, of droughts that were very regular and occurring, mm -hmm. you know, for hundreds of years. So, you know, we may, so we need to get a handle on this stuff so that we can understand, like, how do we want to, how do we want to proceed? It is ridiculous to sink an entire section, including a town. Um, th that's just not sustainable, and you can't continue to, to and do that. Is, is, is the Corcoran Bowl unique in some way, and or is, are there other Corcoran Bowls in other parts of the state? We can we see this subsidence elsewhere? You can, like Mendota, up by the aqueduct. Um, uh, that's in western Fresno County in Mendota, the little tiny town of Mendota that has been in the news recently because the those mm. terrible gang members were up there <laughs> murdering a bunch of people. But anyway, aside from that, it also is sinking, but not at the same rate. Mm. And I haven't um, I haven't talked to a lot of uh, scientists about it, but I don't think it is collapsing and not able to rebound. Uh, land uh, in western Kern County also has been sinking, but again, not at the same rate. And mm. it seems when they put, because it's a, just a different formation, a different uh, geological formation, when they put water on it, stop pumping it, it rebounds. So Corcoran is pretty unique in that respect. Um, and at, and like I said, it's just it's just very wide and 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 huge. Like it, it when you go east of Corcoran and you get into the Pixley area uh, in eastern. Tulare County, the Friant Kern Canal goes right through there, and it, that area has sunk to the point that they can't move uh, water as much through the Friant Kern Canal to get it down here. Uh, it's down by sixty percent. They can only move forty percent of the water that the the, mm. the canal was originally built to, to hold. So they're having to fix that. And I guess this goes back to your question of why should you care? Well, it's a five hundred million dollar fix. And um, the farmers have uh, gotten some federal funding, and there are a number of um, state bills right now that would, I think it's $750 million of taxpayer money, help pay to repair the Friant Kern Canal mm. and also the Delta Mendota Canal and a little bit of the California aqueduct. And the aqueduct is sinking as well. <laughs> its capacity is down by 20%. Mm. So that's your tax dollars. And there's a lot of sentiment out there that like, well, wait a minute. The farmers broke it. Mm -hmm. They um, are making money off of their pistachios, and then they want us to fix it. Mm. So it's it's sort of a public subsidizing for private profit. Why should we do this? Wait, you know. And what are the assurances mm. that you're not going to break it again? Mm. Because this this is this sinking issue has been ongoing for generations. This doesn't seem to have gotten the attention that. It should have, or the, the, perhaps it merits. It's not a big state issue it's not among the public. No, maybe it's among not. the experts. For example, I couldn't tell you where Gavin Newsom is on on any of this stuff. Yeah, and well, there's been a pandemic. I don't know. Okay, yeah, he's been a little oh, there's busy. There's that. He's been there's a bit. That, he's a bit you know. busy. So, well, it's a slow moving disaster. Yeah, that's why oh, slow moving disaster. It's perfect. I am. Um, yeah, well, I think I had that in the story. Mm -hmm. Slow mo slow motion catastrophe, yeah. but that got cut. Thank you, New York Times. Anyway, um, <laughs> so like, 
<laughs> when you go and you talk to the people of Corcoran, and by the way, I have spent a substantial portion of the spring and late winter in Corcoran, including my 57th birthday at the Corcoran <laughs> City Council. <laughs> Talking to these people. Happy anyway. birthday, yeah. Laws. So yeah. me and Corcoran, we go way back. But you talk to the people of Corcoran, either they don't notice it, they don't know what you're talking about, or the only thing they did notice was in 2017, again, a big water year, the, the levee district, because there's a levee around the town. Remember, it's right on the edge of the old mm-hmm. Tulare Lake bed. So when a big water year comes on, you know, it can flood into, into Corcoran from that lake bed. They have a levee. It had sunk like 10 feet. <laughs> so the levee district guy is like, we got to fix this. Holy crap. Well, it was $10 million to fix it. And Ooh. what did they do? They taxed the residents. So the residents all got about a $200. They, they parsed it over three years. It's $200 a year on their property taxes. Well, when you're talking about a median income of $40,000 a year. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money yeah. for folks. And so yeah. they noticed that. But then they kind of were like, well, you know, the water never came, so it's not a big deal. So everybody's just sort of whistling past the graveyard. Or in Corcoran, which is also a very Boswell-oriented and ag-oriented town, they'll just basically go, well, you know, the state should give us more water. And that's really the mm-hmm. problem. They don't, they don't really want to <laughs> don't really want to own up and face up to the fact that farmers are pumping too much water. Now, you, we can argue about why that is, but it is. That is the case. And, you know, can that continue to happen? I don't know. All right. We're about out of time here. I'm talking to Lois Henry, the president and CEO of sjbwater.org. Final question, Lois. You have alluded several times to uh, it sounded like dealing with the New York Times was like root canal here. (laughs) Number one, it's a great honor. Not everybody gets to the New York Times. It it puts a focus on a California issue that you brought to us. So congratulations for that. What was it like working for the Times? It was intense and a little frustrating. (laughs) So um, So I'm assuming they cut the story. They cut the story. Um, You know, it was about a 3,000 word story. uh, Because there's just there was so much into it. And I had I had tracked so much information um, and, and they came to us and they said, we really like this story. Hey, we want a bunch more reporting. And so I went out and I did a ton more reporting. I got more experts. I, I tracked down well, by the way, tracking down wells is really hard. That's not really great public information. So tracking down who owns the wells and how big they are and how much they can pump was a nightmare to do. They sent me back to get more people that, you know, more, 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 more. Mm-hmm. And then they cut, 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 cut. Mm. So <laughs> it's got to hurt. Yeah. So there's a lot more reporting. I've been thinking of, you know, once I get over this, once I get over the the trauma of this, that I, I probably will write a few follow up stories because there's a lot on the cutting room floor that um, I think the is the longer version of the story. The original version is not on SJBWater.org. No, we all um, you had to run the same version. Yeah, right. right. Okay. You know, there's an insurance issue here. Of course. Obviously. Of course. All right. <laughs> you know, okay. Yeah, we had to make sure all of our cut lines and our cap captions and everything were all, you know, right in line with it. It was a lot of work. Yeah. And, you know, the New York Times was, um, I will say that at one point um, they wanted to push the deadline. And I was like, no, I don't think we should push the deadline. And, you know, they, da, 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 and they did say to me, uh, Lois, we're the New York Times. 
And you said, I'm Lois Henry. <laughs> in my head, I said that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I was really biting my tongue like, wow, this dude's really uh, saying this to me. <laughs> Lois, it's a great story, despite thank, your frustrations thank, thank with you to your the New York editor. Times for publishing it. Yeah, so. uh, in, in the New York Times. Check it out. You can find it online. You can find it. Uh, uh, That's jvwater.org. That's jvwater.org. That's right. Lois Henry, thank you for coming in to sharing the inaugural podcast here on Bakersfield Observe, and you'll be back. Very exciting. We hope so. Okay. Okay. Lois Henry, thank you. You can access this podcast via kernradio.com or wherever you get your podcast online. And finally, it's worth noting that none of this would be possible without our sponsors. And I'd like to thank Centric Health of Bakersfield and Dr. Bridge Bombi and Infinity of Bakersfield for becoming our first sponsors of the Bakersfield Observe podcast. Centric Health and Bakersfield Heart Hospital working together to bring unparalleled medical care to Bakersfield and Kern County and Infinity of Bakersfield, luxury vehicles at affordable prices.